0: Hey, welcome to Braves Country.
1: Coming up on this episode of Braves Country, the unmistakable voice of Josh Turner, and we welcome his son, Marion, too. We'll talk about their love for the Braves, playing baseball themselves, and the time that Josh Turner decided to drive to Johnny Cash's house. It's all coming up next on Braves Country. This episode of Braves Country is sponsored by our Braves fan friends down at Century 21, Solomon Properties in Savannah, Georgia, servicing the historic downtown Savannah area, the island area, and Atlanta's beach beautiful. Tybee Island, Georgia. Call Joel Solomon today, 912-604-0896. That's 912-604-0896 for all your real estate needs on the Georgia coast.
0: Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.
1: For nearly two decades, Josh Turner's been one of country music's most recognizable voices. He's sold 8.5 million records, and now he's written and released a Christmas album that's an instant classic. His new album is called King Size Manger. It's his first Christmas album that came out back in October. He sings classic festive songs and four originals, which were either written or co-written by Josh. He and his wife Jennifer and their four children appear on Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas on the album, and we are certainly proud to welcome Josh and Marion Turner to the Braves Country Podcast. What's What's up, Marion? How are you, Bud?
2: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm so good, man. And it's such a pleasure to have you and your dad here, man. You know, what? we we can talk to him about that, all that other <laughs> stuff later. We need to talk about the stuff that's important, and that's playing baseball, mm-hmm. right? That's your favorite. Yes,
2: that's right. When I grow up I want to be a baseball player, then being to a commentator. Yeah, like Carrie's one of my favorites.
1: Chip Carey's amazing. Do you know about his dad and his granddad? Do you know anything about them?
2: Uh, I heard that his grandfather was a commentator. Today.
1: He was, as a matter of fact. He wanted
2: to be like his grandfather.
1: Right? Yeah, that's exactly right. His granddad was the famous Harry Carey, and he was a broadcaster for the uh, Chicago Cubs for a long time. And if you watch a Cubs game, they even have a big old picture of him, like a little cartoon picture. He's got these big kind of goofy-looking glasses. <laughs> but, man, he was really, really good. And then his dad, or his son... Was Skip Carey, who used to broadcast for the Braves, and now Chip yeah. is. That's super cool, man. I think yeah. you're gonna be a good. I think you'll be good for that. He's Thank not you. afraid to get on the mic. He's, I know, right? <laughs> He's already taken over. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well,
3: isn't Chip's son uh, doing? I think some he is. Stuff. So it's yeah. like fourth generation. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: pretty impressive yeah, to, it to think about. I, I remember, and I don't know about you, Josh, but I remember growing up watching TBS and watching the Braves and listening to them on the radio. And what would happen is the the TV guys would do the first half of the game on the TV, and then they would go to the radio, and then they would flip flop. And yeah. they don't really do that anymore. But uh, man, those were the those were the golden days of, of Braves broadcast. Podcasting, it was so much fun. Yeah, Skip, you know,
3: just had that voice. I mean, it was like you know, it just made you feel like you were at the ballpark. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's just, you know. Just made you feel at home, you absolutely. Know, you yeah, heard his
1: voice. He was so, so incredible. I and mean, like, I
4: always followed Skip too. If uh, if he went to radio or moved to the TV, then I moved to the TV. It's the wherever he was, yeah. And he was just a great guy. And and that classic call too when they uh, I guess in '92 when Sid slid and oh, was, oh my gosh, yelling yeah. Braves <laughs> win over and over again. Oh my gosh, it's just a, nothing green better in our mind. But um,
1: uh, yeah. So well, let's talk about that. You talk about you know being big big time Braves fans. Who are your favorite? Barry we'll start with you. Who is your favorite Braves player right now?
2: Ozzie
1: Albies. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That dude is so good and it's so interesting to see because he's not the biggest guy on the field, mm-hmm. but he's got
2: like just me, as... I'm not the biggest guy, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. and I like to play second base.
1: There you go. There you yeah, go. so well, you got a
4: smaller strike mm-hmm. zone, that means too. <laughs> get a lot of walks, get on base easy. That's what I used to do. Just fake it
1: till you make it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the thing about Ozzy is he's got a little pop in his bat too, you know, mm-hmm. and he's not the biggest guy. You got you got some pop in your bat?
2: I do. Um once I was playing on our mine and Colby's team. And and that was, is that your
1: brother? Yes, Okay.
2: brother. Uh, it was bases loaded with two outs, then I hit a base clearing triple.
1: That a boy. Yes. Goodness gracious, awesome. man. Yeah, that does sound like you got some pop in your bag. So And it's you're to, a switch hitter like Ozzy. Hold up, hitter. really? Yeah, mm-hmm. so. How do you figure out that you're a switch hitter? Because I wasn't a good hitter from the right side, and I'm right-handed, so mm-hmm. I definitely wasn't going to be a good hitter from the left it side. It actually
2: started with my older brother. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be a switch hitter, so he taught um, all my other brothers And then my youngest brother wants to learn lefty, so all of us are wanna be switch.
1: That's super cool, man, Mm -hmm. and that's such a great trait to have. Being able to, uh, as soon as the pitcher rolls out, you know which side. You know, you Mm -hmm. can just choose which side you're gonna go hit from. Is that something, Josh? Did did you play baseball growing up?
3: I did. Um, I, I played little league, and then I took the The most important time you're supposed to be playing baseball, I took that time off, <laughs> and yeah. then I went back to playing high school, uh-huh. and I realized I was so far behind the curve, and uh, and so I I just I was terrified of ground balls at, at that point because I had been out of it for sure. so long, and um, so I was terrible at the plate because all the guys pitching in in our you know in our schedule like they were just wild like yeah. you just never knew where the ball was gonna go and uh ain't
1: much has changed i don't think yeah, <laughs>
3: exactly <laughs> and so I, and i also i was a great outfielder though i loved running down a fly ball that was my
1: favorite thing in the world yeah so, my cool. son's very much that same way too like he doesn't want to play the infield anymore he is committed to being a center fielder and that's exactly what he says he was like there's just something about tracking down a ball and being able to mm-hmm. get to it when nobody expects you to be able to do and it if
3: i ever did get on base I, w- I was great at stealing bases okay but it was just you know i didn't get on base a lot yeah but. right but i, I can relate to that
1: feeling, goodness
3: gracious,
4: man. Do you ever still get out in the yard with Marion and some of the other kids and, and throw the ball around a little bit? Though? Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah we're – we're there's always I'm, – I'm actually always trying to get them away from baseball because they do it 24-7, right. You don't want them to burn out. Exactly. And and the funniest thing, though, is that when my oldest son, Hampton, was like eight years old, he actually uh, hit me square in the face with a fastball. <laughs> Broke my nose, gave me my what? first concussion. Oh, no, um, ended up in the ER. It was, uh, and it was on mine and Jennifer's anniversary. It was a great wow. gift. Um, so you got away, <laughs>
4: yeah. from those wild pitchers in your league, only to be uh, yeah, exactly faced by my, your kid. Yeah, my son.
3: Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot. Um, so with that said, I, I have like forbade them to use a real baseball in the backyard. Because I didn't want that happening to one of his little brothers. Because sure. I was like, if he can knock me out, mm-hmm. you know, no telling what he can out. do to his little brothers. Absolutely. And um, so they got into playing. With the wiffle balls, and that turned into these little blitz balls. I don't know if you know what they are. I totally yes. do. Yeah, yes. it's a big deal now. They have competitions with those things, trying to hit it over the fence in the backyard sure. and all this kind of stuff. So now that they've gotten older, I'm like, you need to play with a real baseball, but they they'd rather play with the blitz
1: ball, right, <laughs> in right. the backyard yeah. they're so much fun. Yeah, no, they are. It's <laughs> so much fun. You're exactly right. Now,
4: Mary, and I know that you you love playing second base, but we were talking before the show. Don't you also do a little pitching? Or
2: yes, I do a little pitching. Um, My brother, Colby, he likes pitching, and my brother, Hampton. They're like, pitching is their thing.
4: Now who's your favorite
1: pitcher on the Braves? You
2: can say uh, a couple
4: of them if you want to. Yeah, man. it looks like you didn't down. want to choose.
2: Probably Anderson or Freed. Yeah, okay, Ian
1: yeah. Anderson. Yeah, it's funny because he's from Shenandoah High School, which is a little bit <laughs> tough to say. and, and Not around... to be confused with Shenandoah. Exactly right. Yeah. You're exactly yeah. right, but it was so funny. <laughs> The very first, the only reason I know that is my wife's from upstate New York, really close to where Ian Anderson's from. And she's the one that told me. She was like, oh, he went to Shenandoah High School. And I was like, hang on, <laughs> hang on. He went where? Yeah, I, I had no idea. And when, when his name first started getting bounced around here, I would hear people say Shenandoah. And I was like, guys, you're getting it wrong. Yeah. And they argued know. with me. <laughs> they argued with me. I was like, no, listen to me. I know what I'm talking about <laughs> on this one. around here. Typically, yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. But th- in this instance, I have it right. They they just beat me to death because i I, you know, I, I was I was like, I'm telling you, y'all are wrong about it.
4: You know, uh, Max Fried is a lot like a Braves Hall of Famer and a, a Major League Baseball Hall of Famer mm-hmm. to me. He reminds me of the great Greg Maddox. And have you ever yeah. heard of Greg Maddox? Yes, yes, I have. Okay, cool. I'm just hoping that you go back and watch some Greg Maddox because mm-hmm. he was, I think, possibly the greatest pitcher of all time. I mean, Saw Young is up there, but we didn't Certainly. see him. Maybe yeah. the modern era, anyway.
1: Yeah, no mm-hmm. doubt. But
4: Max reminds me of him. So uh, if you can yeah. learn. They, I think, kind of pitched to contact and. Certainly. Uh, Being and, able and to. Got to it s- done short in a short, you know, they didn't go long. I mean, they didn't. The, the game, whenever I would go to a game and uh, and Greg Maddox was pitching, I kind of felt like I was going to get gypped because I knew the game was only going to last about an hour and a half or so. He was
1: going set, <laughs> to set some folks down quick.
4: Yeah, he's a really great pitcher. So check out
1: Greg Maddox.
2: Yeah, Freed, Um, his curveball just takes away everybody. He can't swing at it. Yeah. Or you're not going to hit it.
1: Yeah, it locks them up, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's it's so much fun to watch. What about you, Josh? I mean, we, we talked about Marion's favorite players. Who are some of your favorite players from, from the past or, or even currently?
3: Oh man. When it comes to pitchers, you know, Craig Kimbrell
1: Oh yeah, um,
3: you know, who I've gotten to know a little bit, you know, he was just so dominant when he was here with yeah. the Braves. And it was just like you knew <clears throat> when he came in he was gonna get you three outs like that. And no doubt. You know, and um and not having him has been somewhat of an adjustment sure um, to just watch, you know, the bullpen, uh, try to get up to that level. Um, you know, we've got some really good arms in the bullpen this year. Um, but like I say, you know, Kimbrel had his own style. He had his own thing and he, he just, he came out there and he, I think he had an intimidation factor that the batters, it's like, <laughs> it didn't matter what pitch he was going to throw. it's like, you know, he's staring them down. He's got that arm hanging out. Oh, yeah. And, and all that but uh but yeah he he was you know one of the most dominant yeah
1: players he's players so I've much seen. fun to watch but i t- loved
4: how he used to show that gun off and it was kind like of really yeah, you know, like an old gun slinger really you a
1: yeah almost like an old west bit. or
4: something he would just show him that gun and they would get scared. It needs a buckle on that thing. And, and he, I hope he comes back to the Braves for the end of his career. I really do. I love the guy.
3: He told me a story one time about when he was playing in high school that um, he actually threw a no hitter, but he was he was throwing so wild in that game he gave up four runs. <laughs> wow! Wow!
4: <So>. <laughs> <laughs> no hitter, but four runs. Yeah. That's, that's hard to accomplish. Yeah, Did
1: he win? Did he win yeah. You got yeah, the, yeah you I'm got telling the win. you. But that's the funny thing about baseball, right? Is that they have it has those. Those moments that you can't believe. Well, like, I don't know, I'm sure you guys were watching the other night. It was uh, the night the, the Braves clinched against uh, Milwaukee when they couldn't review the foul ball play. It's oh one of those goodness. things where you're like, you know, you want to scream at the TV. Yeah. Because you're like, what do you mean you can't review that? You can review pop flies in the outfield, but you can't in the infield. I thought it was the dumbest rule I've ever I seen don't. or it's heard. In play. I mean, yeah. It's It's pass know. home plate. That's right. Yeah, I was, I was blown away that that was an unreviewable call. We just got lucky that it didn't really affect the Braves and,
2: yeah. and
4: the outcome of the game. If it had, there might have been more revolt yeah. on the field.
1: No doubt about it. I, you know, been one of those things when it was like Chipper with the infield fly and people were, you know, throwing trash and oh stuff my on Oh, gosh, the... yeah, let's not talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was, never that do was that, so, Yeah, <laughs> don't ever do it. I, you Ooh, know, it trouble. That was a rough day. Yeah. We, were, we happened to be there, and there was just some things that were being tossed around, and my son at the time, he was probably, I don't know, eight, probably about your age – Marion, and he was like what are they saying? I was like nothing. They're not saying anything. <laughs> you know, just uh it w- it was it was one of those it was one of those wild days but um but yeah, we got by it, it didn't matter ultimately and remember if you remember Duval then had the the pop up the, the infield pop up that the second baseman and the pitcher just let drop between them. So it almost made up for the yeah. horrible call on the field. And then
2: know? Rosario came up to hit a two run single
1: that's right man and, and and got the game all tied back up it was a lot of fun man so um all right mary so let's talk about the the braves and chances to win the world series what do you think about the braves chances to win the world series either this year or in the next couple of years
2: i think they might win one since they got all the trade deadline
1: yeah the guys that they picked up
2: yeah the and i think austin riley is kind of come through in the oh, postseason yeah. i hope the giants win
1: is that who you're we're play? not
2: we're we want to play the Giants. We do not want to play the Dodgers. Okay. The All Dodgers.
1: Right. They, they have our number, don't they? Mm-hmm.
2: It's <laughs> hard to go to the World Series with the Dodgers. I
1: know. Us. I know. It's <laughs> tough. And there's something mentally that the Braves seem to struggle with with the Dodgers. It's almost like the University of Georgia with Alabama. They just can't yeah. get over that hump for some reason, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, you think you think they can win it this year or do you think it's going to be a couple of years?
2: It might be this year.
1: Might be? All right. look, I'm with you. Why do you think they've been so successful? Is it the people that they they brought in or the people that uh, that they had to begin with? Their pitchers. Yeah, it's just the solid pitching? pitching It's their
2: pitching staff. Enoa, when he got hurt, came back, got like two or three losses, he hasn't got back into a role. And we got Charlie Morton, and we have Max Reed, Ian Anderson, and we have three studs in our starting rotation.
1: Do you have a favorite reliever? Because mine's Luke Jackson. I like Luke Jackson. Yeah, he's yeah. awesome, isn't he? A- have you ever noticed that uh, right before he pitches, he kind of takes his hat off and says a little prayer before mm-hmm. he jumps up? I always yes, I always that. loved that. That was my mm-hmm. favorite. I think that's why he's my favorite pitcher in the uh, in the bullpen. I like seeing that. Yeah, me too. And and it was so funny because he got bounced around a little bit early when he very first came to the Braves. He got bounced around a little bit, and people were beating him up, and I, and I just couldn't give up on him. And I was like, no, I'm telling you, this guy's a great pitcher. And then, so, sure enough, he, he sure has been for uh, for the last couple seasons. So, it's been really good to have him.
2: Even Will Smith. Yeah, Will Smith. 37 saves. Yeah,
1: it's pretty impressive.
2: 37 But it's kind of scary when... He comes up and walks somebody. And it's like faces loaded, <laughs> two right. outs, two strikes, and then he finally gets the out.
1: He never lets you down, but man, yeah. he's going to make you bite your fingernails off. Yeah.
2: We've all been there. Makes you We've nervous. all been
1: there. And he's from Noonan, Georgia, too. So, uh, yeah, he's from right down you know, south of Atlanta. So it's good to have a hometown boy doing well. Yep. I love that part. Marion, of it. what about baseball cards? You, got, you guys got a baseball card collection
4: going? We have,
2: I have two books and a container of baseball cards. Okay. I have a complete season. I think I have two complete seasons of baseball cards. I think one was 2018 or 2017. And that's then, awesome. Yeah, we have. I have a lot of baseball cards.
1: And do you have a favorite? Do you have like one like, that's your prized possession baseball card?
2: Um, probably my signed Matt Kemp.
1: Heck my, yeah, oh, nice. man! That's really cool. Is that one that you were able to get Matt to sign himself? Or is that one you got in signed a pack? Sign
2: himself. Get out of
1: here. Where did where did that happen?
2: Uh, it happened. what happened here. It happened here. It was at SunTrust. Oh, it yeah. It was yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, and Matt Kemp, he's one of, you know, he came over from the Dodgers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We can't get away from those guys. <laughs> yeah, so um, did you collect cards growing up too, Josh? Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah, it's a funny story, though.
3: You know, when I was growing up, we didn't have cable television, you know, all that, internet and all that. So, like, the only time we ever got to see baseball on TV was during the postseason mm-hmm. and on the three major networks, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh... So, I, I vaguely remember, like, 19, what was it, 88, when the Dodgers won with, yep. like, Oral Hershiser, yeah. right, yeah. and Swale, all that. Like, I, I remember my daddy, you know, he, he liked Tommy Lasorda and all that, and I don't remember 1989, but then in 1990, the Cincinnati Reds won it.
4: The Nasty I was, It was
3: just an impressionable age, you know, for me, yeah. and... I became this huge Cincinnati Reds fan, and so did my brother. And so we started collecting all the Cincinnati Reds cards and all this stuff. And then as time went on and as I got older, I got to thinking, I was like, why am I not cheering for the Braves? Like, they're my hometown. They're, they're, they're my home team, you know, here, so here. To speak. And being from South Carolina. And um, and so I was all in with the Braves at that point, you know. But it, it's funny, you know, I just I, I still remember all the players from that 1990 Cincinnati Reds team and I have all those cars from from that year, but uh, but it's crazy. After that, I became a Braves fan. Yeah,
1: sure. It was it was Eric Davis? Eric was Davis, on that team. Barry
3: Larkin, yeah, uh, Rob Dibble, Rob Dibble, yeah, um, Paul O'Neill. That was a good yeah. lineup. Chris Sabo, yeah, Sabo. Uh, he had the glasses. Oh, yeah. He had those Rex specs glasses <laughs> uh-huh. on. But my favorite was Glenn Braggs, um, yeah. which he he wasn't you know a great player you know longevity wise, but he he was just like this. I mean, just muscle bound guy. Yeah. He was the one that you know when he when he swung and missed and the bat comes around he the bat actually broke across his back his back what? you know there's a you can find it on youtube i need but, to go look that up yeah it, he was just this big strong dude and it was like he just looked like you know a bodybuilder in a right. baseball uniform it was crazy did <laughs> you
2: tell him about the wild card of the Colonels and the Braves
3: Oh yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, what was it? Hang
1: on, what was it
2: again? It, it was
3: 2012. Yeah, oh yeah, You still yes, fly rule. Yeah, yeah. He, he, yes. he mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, man, that was. Were you at the game, or we are you were, just watching? We were watching all t- I was We were throwing stuff at the TV. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's right. You yeah. got course, in on yeah. the action. Yeah. Where, yeah. Where, not, were not to you a
2: Cardinals out. fan? Or were you Braves fan?
3: Well, yeah, the, the first two Major League Baseball games I ever went to was at uh, the Old Bush Stadium in St. Louis. Uh, my family had won a vacation to St. Louis back in the day, and we got to go there, and I got to see Ozzy Smith and all oh, that Oh, that's yeah, awesome. Willie McGee. Yeah, and so from that point on, like the Cardinals were always kind of like my second favorite sure. team. And so I had a – Cardinals hat in my possession the night that the Braves were playing the Cardinals in that wild card game, and then after that infield fly rule, I went to my closet, got the Cardinals hat, and threw it in the trash. <laughs> <They're,
1: that's laughs> I said, right. "Never yeah. again." No. They're Dumb not even my it.
3: second favorite anymore. There you no, go. I love well, it. Well, it's
4: good to be just a fan of baseball, and those teams you mentioned are just classic National League teams that play baseball the right way. And mm-hmm. we, we were all fans of theirs in the '80s, especially with sure, like man. Vince Coleman and Willie McGee, and uh, just stealing all those bases and everything. But like you said. We we live in Braves country and we pull for these Braves, man. So I I guess '91 kind of changed everything for you too, because we went on that run of 14 straight division championships.
3: Yeah, I mean it's just you know it was just hard to beat those teams and you know Bobby Cox. I mean golly, you know he's just you know he's the 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 greatest manager ever. Baseball, you know it's just uh, and I I I miss seeing him in the dugout, but man Snicker I think has you know come in and done a great job and. You know, just being with the organization for as long as he forty has, plus you years. Know, just, I mean, it just shows how this guy's got such a, a discipline, you know, and a perseverance. And he just, Chip, Carey, you know, he's always talking about how, you know, we don't quit with Snit, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. but there's a reason for that because Snit never quit himself. You That's know, right. he's, he's just endured all those Years, you know, working in the minor leagues and this and that and the other, and, and he c- comes up here and he's he, he knows the game. He you know, knows. And I think that's the reason why we're having a lot of success.
1: Well, I think you're right about that. And he was hired by the late, great Hank Aaron, you know, mm-hmm. to a, as his playing career was coming to a close. Hank was like, this guy's got something. And, and yeah. Hank was right about so many things. Yeah, but he told
4: him he needed to be a coach, yeah. basically, you know. And talking about the legacy of Bobby Cox, you know, both of the leaders of the Braves, Snicker and Freeman, They both came up under Bobby Cox. Their Mm -hmm. first couple, you know, he was Mm -hmm. a bench coach for Bobby and then uh, Freeman in his first couple years kind of learned under Bobby Cox. You know, even uh, your favorite reliever, Kimbrell, his first yep. year in the bigs was Bobby Cox's final yep. season. So Bobby's legacy is
1: still here with us. Oh yeah. It's yeah. amazing. He's yep. a terrific guy. Switching gears just a little bit. Do you have something else you wanted to mention about Bobby Cox? Or anybody for that matter.
2: I kind of wish seeing um Bobby Cox go out of the dugout yeah. and start talking <laughs> to the ops.
1: <aunts>. <laughs> <laughs> talking is putting it lightly. <laughs> <but> <laughs> that's <laughs> a very kind way, which you're a kind young man. I would, wouldn't expect yep. any less. But uh yeah, he would come out and he would um he would discuss mm-hmm. some of the th- some of the <laughs> things that had happened on the on the field that he didn't care mm-hmm. for. What did you like about that, Mary? and What was cool about that to you?
2: I don't know. I just knew. Yeah, I just like seeing before,
3: him. That was before we had instant replay. So, yeah. Yeah. so he would come out and argue the calls.
1: Yeah, I like, just like
2: watching the argues that's right but now we have instant replay and that's like right. can't really argue the, it well yeah or. I know
1: but then they still get it wrong as we were talking about earlier with yeah. well, that makes me want to throw my hat <laughs> you know <laughs> it makes me mad but you know it's funny because there, if I love Snit too because I think he's such a terrific man and he's got an incredible story and going all the way actually back to his high school baseball team uh, if you ever get a chance to look it up there's actually a book written about his high school baseball team it's fantastic but the thing is I do wish Snit because he, he's really even keeled every now and then I want him to go out there and, mm-hmm. and bow up a little more yeah. than he Kinda does. Kind of like
2: when they, Pablo Lopez on the first pitch hit Acuna. That,
1: that is <laughs> that exactly what I'm argument. talking about. That was, that's exactly right. That's right. Alright, so we'll switch gears and go to uh, college football really quick. Just being from South Carolina, a, a big Clemson fan, your your wife, uh, Jennifer is from Stone Mountain, big dogs fan. Mm-hmm. How about them dogs? I'm, I am gotta tell you, <laughs> I side with Jennifer on this one. This episode of Braves Country is sponsored by our Braves fan friends down at Century 21, Solomon Properties in Savannah georgia servicing the historic downtown savannah area the island area and atlanta's beach beautiful tybee island georgia call joel solomon today 912-604-0896 that's 912-604-0896 for all your real estate needs on the georgia coast Just being from South Carolina, a big Clemson fan, your your wife, uh, Jennifer, is from Stone Mountain, big dogs fan. Mm-hmm. How about them dogs? I'm, i i got to tell you, <laughs> I side with Jennifer on this one. But you got to sing the national anthem at uh, the Georgia-Clemson game. What was that like? I mean, because, you know, I mean, obviously, a little bit of a house divided going.
3: Yo, yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it was crazy. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've, we've only, that was, that was only the third time we've been to a Georgia-Clemson game, you know, since we've been married. Um, and really, I guess, in our lifetime, since they've played, because you know, because they yeah. quit playing each other for a long yeah, time, sure did. Yeah. And um, and so for it to be the opening game of the season to be it in there in Charlotte and and all that, it was just uh, it was an incredible night. Um, you know, we had great weather. It was seventy four thousand plus fans on hand, and uh, and it's it's funny because <laughs> I've gone into anthem retirement a couple of times already, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because I kept thinking like, there's no way that performance or that event's going to beat you know uh or be beaten and so i was asking a buddy of mine who works for clemson you know about getting six tickets and maybe having bus parking because i thought i was gonna have to go to a a show like the next night and all this stuff and um so he comes to one of my shows back in july this year and says uh he said hey he said i'm still working on your tickets and your parking and all that he said but uh, would you be willing if i threw your hat or naming the hat for the anthem and I just kind of dropped my head I was like yeah sure go ahead you know, I, I couldn't say no because no, it was right? like I've been asking for all this stuff and so uh, lo and behold they choose me to do the anthem and I was like well here we go again coming out of retirement right. and, yeah. um, but the, the, the most disappointing thing to me and I'll just be completely honest with this is that um, ABC didn't air it and, yeah. and it wasn't because of me mm-hmm. it was because when we got out there the paratroopers coming down you know parachuting onto the field with the game mm-hmm. ball this whole crowd was singing along with me word for word with the anthem it was you know they were showing the the troops and the first responders on the jumbotron and it was like this huge moment of unity that we so need nowadays yes sir and we but they didn't hear it and it mm-hmm. was like that's the stuff that we need but you know, I mean, it, it was yeah. just disappointing to yeah, me. For sure, and obviously, I don't make those decisions. But you know, I just went out there and did my best for the seventy four thousand plus on hand. And you know, a lot of people talked about it on social media, and they, mm-hmm. they took a lot of pictures and videos and all that, and kind of word of mouth kind of thing. But uh, but yeah, it was like those those are the moments that we need. You know, on air to for our country to see that you know we're we're actually more united than you think. I think so I think yeah, so. You know. The
4: media doesn't want to show that because they don't want to let people know that we're united. They they kind of yeah. And they, used to prioritize, and they used to prioritize that kind of thing. That used to be something they would feature. And I, I think you're right. They should have yeah. aired that. Let's start a campaign mm-hmm. right now. ABC, if you're listening, go I, ahead and re-air that. Let's re-air it in well, front Give of
1: us the footage and we'll air it. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Whatever it takes. No doubt about it. But then also, big college basketball fan. How did, yeah. but, but a Duke fan? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to. I mean, to. Yeah, it's yeah, like a red right right. hole yes. in a square yes. peg. Uh,
3: you, you can thank my daddy for that one because, like I say, we grew up Clemson fans. My daddy was always a huge basketball fan but Clemson was never any good at basketball. And so when Coach K came in, what was it, 1980, Mm to Duke, um, he loved the way Coach K ran things and and the way he coached. And so from as far back as I can remember, in my household, we cheered for Clemson football and Duke Mm -hmm. basketball. It was just always (laughs) that way. Like I said, I I grew up with early memories of Danny Ferry and Christian Leitner and Grant Hill and, you know, all of that. And then – I ended up making some connections at Duke and got to go to Cameron Indoor several times for games. And when I finally got to take my daddy to a, a Duke basketball game in Cameron Indoor, was uh, that was one of the highlights of my life was being able to take my daddy there after he brought me up of on course. such a great basketball program and, and all that. And so it was uh, it was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, that's terrific. No, I love it. And and being a Georgia fan, we've not had much luck outside of Dominic Wilkins. The last game we were at
3: was, I think it was me and my daddy and my oldest son, Hampton. We were sitting literally right behind the Duke bench. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'd have reached my hand out, I could have touched Zion Williamson's shoulder. Jeez, that's a big so, kid, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's like he came, it's like made that little folding chair look like a you know, know a miniature right? chair. It was crazy. I can do it long. But man, seeing that guy play in person was that's just terrific.
1: unbelievable. Uh, Marion, big basketball fan too?
4: A little bit. That well, sounds like a baseball fan. Yeah, answer. yeah. that's a baseball
1: <laughs> fan. answer for sure. He's
3: being diplomatic. He's he's all baseball. I
1: can tell you <laughs> that. I love yeah. it. Oh, yeah, but, too, but, but but football? Do you like to watch football? At least I
2: do like college football.
1: Yeah, it's fun, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I uh, really like the Panthers, and uh-huh. we got and Georgia and Clemson got to play at the Panthers. That's game. right. So that I got, was cool to be there. After that, I got to get a hat.
1: What? Get out of here! What? Which hat did you get?
2: I got. It was a Panthers hat. It had like a shield on it or something. It said Carolina Panthers.
1: Nice. All right. So you're a lifelong Panthers fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you uh, do, now? Who are you a fan of? Like in pro ball? or you? Do you keep up at all?
3: Well. Growing up in South Carolina, we didn't have a team. Yeah. Um, and then when I moved to Nashville, wife and I became Big Titans fans. Okay. And that didn't last very long. <laughs> I won't get into that, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, we watch every so often. Yeah, yeah I, so. you know
1: what? I don't, I don't. To be honest, I don't watch a lot of the NFL either. I, don't I either. just yeah, I just yeah. I didn't watch them. They don't years. air the national
4: anthem, and when they do, they mess it up. Yeah, and, that's
1: exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> but I
4: tell you what, football is good for it. It's good to keep you in the uh, keep you sane during the winter time when you're waiting for baseball season. That's right. That's, that's, right. About <laughs> all I, that's
1: about all I use it for, except for
0: Georgia Bulldogs, except for, <laughs> for
1: college football. That's a different story altogether. Yeah. But but you know, you you grew up in the South, as did did we. So what is it? Uh, what does being a Southerner mean to you? Because it means a whole lot to me. Oh, uh, it's it it
3: defines. A lot of who I am. You know, I'm, I'm a Christian first. Um, sure, me and too. And then, then second, you know, I'm, I'm a Southerner and, uh, you know, an American Southerner. So I'm big into the history of the South. And I think, you know, we're talking about, you know, mainstream knowledge, you know, like a lot of people, you know, get things wrong. You know, was the South perfect in a lot of ways? No, absolutely not. But the North wasn't either. Um, right. And And even after the Civil War, when we became a more cohesive uh, union, you know, we, we've still gotten things wrong and know, continue so, to. And, and because th- this country's full of imperfect people, it's that's like, right. you know, it's like people going, going, trying to find r- the right church for themselves. It's mm-hmm. like, well, the church is full of imperfect people. That's why they go there. <laughs> that's right. You yeah, know? Absolutely. Yeah. And so you can't expect human beings to do things exactly right all the time. But, uh, I think there's so much beauty in, the american south uh in that culture whether it's the music the food the people the the accents the you know just the the clothes the everything you know it's like and so if you listen to my records you'll hear that southern influence throughout everything that i've done um and so uh you know even my last country album was called deep south you know and it was literally a song that i wrote by myself where i just kind of i kind of went back in time and just kind of you know, wrote a song about what it was like for me growing up in the South, and yeah. it was just as simple as that. And it's something I love, and it's it's something that I've tried to bestow upon my children. You know, to kind of teach them where they came from. Um, I'm big into ancestry. I want them to know, you know, the the genealogy of not just my family, but you know, Jennifer's family, and sure. and so it's uh, it's just certain things that have just been passed down from generation to generation. And it's like, who was it? Ronald Reagan said, you know, it only takes three generations for an idea to be lost. That's right. know, so I just try to continue to pass down, you know, certain things to to my my children. And um, so important. All that.
1: So. Yeah. No, it's so important.
4: What are some of the uh, what are some of your favorite southern cities or even small towns where you just love to go or that you love to tour through? Tell us like your top three hmm. southern locations that you, that you just love.
3: Man, that's a good question. I love where I'm from, obviously. I'm, I'm from, like, the PD region of South Carolina, you know, so a lot of those, you know, a lot of that area, you know, is just that's where I grew up, so it's kind of hard not to pick that. But then beyond that... You know, I've, I've been touring now professionally for twenty years, and one of my favorite places to be is in the, the the Appalachian Mountain area, where whether it's East Tennessee, Western North Carolina, Western Virginia, you know, even West Virginia, Eastern Kentucky, you know, that whole area. And I think the reason I like that area is because, first of all, that's where. The first recorded country music ever took place right. was in Bristol, which mm-hmm. that's like actually where we're going to be tomorrow. Oh, nice! Um, and uh, the music that my daddy's parents, you know, introduced me to is a lot of that rootsy, earthy bluegrass, Americana, sure. country, southern gospel kind of stuff. It it reminds that area of the country reminds me of that music that I grew up on, and so when I go there, there's a there's like this uh, unspoken connection between me and the fans. That a lot of people don't realize. It's like I get out there; they know that I know who they are, and and I know that you know, uh, yeah, I know who they are. And so it, it's just I don't know. They appreciate what I do. I appreciate their loyalty and their love for me. And and then uh, I guess beyond that, you know, I, I love uh, Amelia Island, Florida, for some oh reason. Oh my gosh, it's uh, beautiful. That's uh, great. My family, at, you know, we we went on vacation there years ago, and i just started, love it. I've started taking my family there that's now. That's
1: Marion jumped <laughs> in. He was like, dude, count me in. I'm yeah. a Millie Island guy. Yeah. You know, and that's where it's big for Georgia fans specifically. Yeah. So your mom will probably know this, that uh, that's where all the Georgia fans kind of uh, stay when mm-hmm. they're going to play Florida, go down yeah. there and beat up on those Gators. I, mean, and, and and I, I think Island. Bobby Cox has, has a place down there. Yes, he yeah. does, as a matter yeah. of fact, yeah. And uh, I'll tell you a place that I love, and um, you guys have probably been there, but uh, Fripp Island, South Carolina, is one of my mm-hmm. favorite places on Earth in the low Country. Just so beautiful. Like, if I could retire and go somewhere, that's probably where I'm going to be. It's funny. I was stationed aboard USS South Carolina when I was in the Navy, so we'd uh, spent a lot of time in, in Charleston, and the people over in Columbia were super kind to us, so I have a little bit of a soft spot for that area as well but man i'm telling you frip island if you've never been it is the most gorgeous place there's just something special about yeah. frip in that low country and
4: the georgia coast just across I, I like south carolina coast too but i'm partial to tybee island no, i love tybee yeah i think sure. I, I just want to go hop from all these islands and maybe get a little boat on one of them there you go. To yeah one <laughs> yeah, day in the future huh yeah we got to have dreams right <laughs> i'm
1: telling so, you, no uh, doubt about it
4: but talking more about music and faith and baseball and once in one question here um This year, Garrett uh, Garrett Whitlock, who's a relief pitcher for the Boston Red Sox, and he's from Atlanta, Uh, he's been using your classic song, uh, Long Black Train, as his walk-in music this season. (laughs) Love it. And it helps him stay grounded in his faith, he says. What does that mean to you, Josh, And, and both having him do that and having written a song like that that touches people's soul?
3: So I found out about this from my attorney, of all people, so I'm sitting here thinking, Okay, it's a pitcher for the Red Sox, his walk up music is Long Black Train and I'm thinking, like when he comes to the plate and I'm yeah. like he's American League, so he probably you know, yeah. he's probably had what, ten at bats all season, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, if that yeah. right. um and so I'm thinking, What's the big deal? But I was flattered, I was like, Great, you know, he chose one of my songs, that's awesome. Well, unbeknownst to me, he uses it every time he comes up on the mound and I was like, Okay, that's a whole different story here. And so, literally about a week ago, I'm watching one of the Red Sox playoff games, and uh, you know they're coming out of commercial. You can hear the commentators talking, but in the background, I hear something familiar. I'm like, "What in the world?" Because they didn't show who was on the mound or anything. Sure. They just showed like this wide shot of Fenway Park, you know, sold out crowd, and and I'm like, "That's my song." <laughs> and so they zoom in. They show Garrett Woodlock on the mound. I'm like, "That's him. That's that's the that's, that's awesome. the deal." Like you know, and so I was I was. You know, just kind of blown away by that. And um, and you could see him on the mound like he's singing along That's to it. That's awesome. And all this stuff. I was wow. like, this, this guy, you know, he's really a fan. And so one of my managers sent me an article that was written about him where he's telling the story behind, like, why he chose that song and, and how it kind of helped him through uh, some tough time in his life and just, just kind of humbled him. And, you know, I, I guess he had Tommy John or yeah. whatever, and he mm-hmm. was trying to get through that and all that. He seems to have a pretty good head on his shoulders. And so, like I say, I was just very honored and very flattered that he would – one of my songs. So I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if anybody has ever chosen one of my songs for their walk-up. Music.
4: Well, yeah, most guys have like Metallica blaring or something yeah. that's kind of like uh, loud or to kind of psych up the other team or maybe to get themselves fired up. But he's 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 got a um, something going on where he's more into prayer and and bringing it kind of coming in in a solemn yeah. in a solemn way, which, which I, I think it. is
1: fantastic. No, it's super cool because I think that song has. I mean, you would know better than anybody that song has had such an impression on so many different mm-hmm. people. And, um, you know, it's it. I, I remember when when it was, I, I still have, it, it was nominated for some CMAs and all that sort yeah. of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, because I remember that was the first ever CMA awards I ever covered for uh, a radio station in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I think I still even have some of the, the press stuff that they, you know, w- when the record labels send out things to vote oh, for yeah. a particular, <laughs> song. I think I still have some of that stuff at home yeah. because it was su- such an impressionable, um, impressionable song. It's so good. Well, it's and, an instant and, classic. No no I
4: mean I mean that's one of those songs where you're just like that had to have been around forever but really though you, <laughs> I was amazed to see that you just wrote it in, or that it came out in 2003. Yeah. And that's just like uh, you know amazing that uh, you kind of dug into your soul to 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 offer that and to share that with everybody and I wanted to ask you uh, I know Johnny Cash passed away in 2003 and did he ever get a chance to hear that song because it kind of has a, a Johnny Cash vibe to it if you ask me.
3: Yeah, um I I, I was working alongside a guy an engineer um at the time when johnny cash was doing all those records with rick rubin Mm -hmm. you know and all that and uh and so when i found out that this this engineer friend of mine was working alongside johnny cash on all that stuff i had the idea because i don't even know if i had recorded it yet at the time but i was very protective of my songs because i was like everything that i write is for me i'm not Mm -hmm. here to pitch it to other artists or whatever but uh, with Johnny Cash, it was like, you know, that's a different story. You know, he's not going to be going to radio with that or whatever. And um, so I asked this engineer friend of mine. I was like, hey, I was like, would you be willing to, like, play this for Johnny and just to see what
1: his reaction what he is. thinks,
3: you know, see if he would record this? And he was like, was like yeah, he's like, I'll, I'll see what I can do. And um, so next time I see him, he comes back. I was like, hey, did you get a chance to play that for Johnny? and and. He said, yeah, he said, he told me that he wasn't recording any more train songs. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) And I was like, oh, man, okay. Well, uh, fast forward down the road a few years, he dies, and then they find out that the last song that he wrote was a song called Like the 309, and it was about a train, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. he had recorded it, and so uh, I was like, well... I guess he's only recording train songs that he wrote. You
4: know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, well, right. maybe
1: you re-inspired him. To get maybe back I did. Into the mean, song I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, go I like that. it. No, yeah. that's a great one. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's terrific, man. I'm telling you, and, and I know gospel music is close to your heart, and as it is mine, because I was born and raised on country and gospel and southern gospel mainly. You know, with with my mom and daddy, and and they, um, you know, they had that that musical impression on my heart. So, and I try to pass that, much like you're talking about passing music to your sons. I do the same thing with my son. Man, we we go back and listen to Waylon and Willie, and then we oh, go yeah. back and listen to you know because he's only seventeen, so we go back and listen to your man and and some yeah. of the stuff and Long Black Train, and then we'll go back and listen to uh, the nitty gritty dirt bands, Fishing in the Dark. Mm-hmm. But then we go back and listen to the hymns too because those yeah. are so important to me. You've got a a new Christmas album and you know, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But um, but you've been doing Christian collaborations and and Jubilee music and and then this Christmas record. So what? was it that made you decide to do a Christmas record? What was it that, that said, you know what, it's time, because I've never done this before.
3: Well, when I moved to Nashville, my number one priority was to establish myself as a country artist, you sure. know, to make the records, to get my name out there, to build my fan base, to have hits, to sell records, you know, to just establish myself like every other artist, and so for the last, like I say, I've been doing this for 20 years now almost, and one of the most common questions I get, especially around Holiday time is Josh. When are you? When are you going to do a Christmas record? Right. And it was always on my list of things to do, but I just never. It just never felt like the right time. And so it was. It was kind of sad because every time Christmas would roll around every year, it's like, oh man, I don't have anything to offer. You mm-hmm. know, it's like all these right. other artists, friends of mine, right. they got you know Christmas music out there, but um, and I don't. But this year, it just felt right. The label was uh, on board with it. I had developed a rapport with my current producer Kenny Greenberg, and and I was confident that you know he and I could make a great Christmas record. And so um, we first sat down to talk about this thing back in January this year, and then like in April and May, it literally took me twenty two days to do my part of the record, uh, which is the quickest I've ever made a record oh, wow. in that respect. And so you know it, it was it was a fun record to make, but I think the reason it didn't take that long is because I had just I'd had, had these ideas just built up from over the years and so I, when I presented Kenny with all these ideas and song choices and all that there was plenty to choose from like we we had plenty of stuff left over mm-hmm. and so it's a very different record you know when people buy this they're, it's not it's probably not going to be what they expect because Um, and that was intentional because I've, I've always been adamant about the fact that there's so many Christmas songs out there. We've heard them all, you know, everybody's got their own version of it. And a lot of them sound the same. And that was one thing I wanted to try to avoid. And I knew it was a a tall task, but I, I felt like I could do it because I was like, okay, I'm going to try to get some originals on here that nobody's ever heard. And beyond that, these classics, I need to think outside the box and do these things in a way that nobody's ever conceived before. And so most every song on here that I didn't write was... Arranged by me, and it was just uh, you know, like I say, it was it. It's a very interesting record. It, I've always said that like you don't have to have a horn section or a string section mm-hmm. or jingle bells or whatever you know, all these jazzy chords to make a song a Christmas song. Like for me, for this record especially, I wanted the lyrics to shine through and say Christmas. Um, and I think I think we accomplished that, and I'm I'm very proud of it.
4: You know, I love a good Christmas record, and uh, when I was a kid, I used to just love getting out my Christmas records around the the 1st of December and start to rock them on the turntable. And uh, I've listened to your record, Josh, a few times, and I think you did it. I think you, it's just a great Josh Turner record in the context of Christmas, Mm -hmm. basically. And it's really, I think, another instant classic. And I wanted to tell you that I think it's going to wind up being right in between Gene Autry Christmas and Bing Crosby Christmas as far as being a classic. Dang, all right. I think it's really, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. Yeah,
3: every song on this record is different. You know, it, it, there's so much variety on this record. I mean, you've got you've got a song like What He's Given Me, which is a straight-up bluegrass song. Um, you've got Mele Kaliki Makama which is Love you that know, one. a Hawaiian Christmas song. Um, you've got, you know, stuff like Joy to the World where we're doing it as a shuffle with Twin Fiddles. And yeah. you got Rhonda Vincent singing on it. Oh, my
1: gosh, she's so good! And then girl. you got
3: Angels We Have Heard on High where we got rid of all the orchestral chords. We just made it three chords. We made it almost in the style of the Mavericks. I didn't want it to go completely in that Latin direction, but mm-hmm. I wanted it to have that energy and that rhythm. And Sure. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of the direction I went with that one. And then, I mean, golly, you know, you got... First Noel, which Kenny had mentioned that, you know, my arrangement had somewhat of an Irish feel. And I was like, I wonder if there's a way we can really kind of tap into that. And I was like, you know anybody that plays penny whistle? <laughs> and, right. yeah. and so we got Jeff Taylor from the Time Jumpers, and he came in and played that, and had all these little cool, you know, little organ instruments and stuff. And and so I just I just wanted it, each and every song to kind of have its own identity, right? Know, and and have its own message
1: and be able to, you know, express that. No, I love that. And before we get to uh, the, the Christmas tour, Mary, you you got to sing on this record. Yes, sir. Holy smokes, what was that like? Were you nervous at all? Not really. No. All right. So, so when you when you when you, when your dad says, "Hey, I think we're gonna you and your brothers and your mom and everybody in here to sing on this," you're like, "Count me in," or you're like, yeah. "Hang on a minute, hang on." Yeah, I was
2: I was like, "Count me in." I'll I could do it because I've been in I've been in front of a lot of microphones. Yeah, like you said, I've done plays, I've done oh, that's Lisa, cool. Condetti's records and yeah. stuff, so I was really on it.
1: Uh, I know baseball's your favorite, but do you ever do you pick up any instruments? Do you are yes, you interested? I, in I
2: play guitar, mandolin. I'm learning piano, drums, and I play ukulele.
1: Wow, that's pretty incredible, man! Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, I, that's one of the things that I, I told my son that I wanted him to do, and of course, he didn't listen to me. So he didn't play anything. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. I, I was like, do you know? All you have to do is play a piano, and you'll have the prettiest girls in the entire room. <laughs> They'll be over there ready to talk to you because you can tickle the ivories a little bit. I'm telling you, that's is, this is a little bit later down the road for you, but I'm telling you, this that's going to be such a, uh, a feather in your cap, you're going to be thanking your dad one day. I promise you. This is the
3: third time he's been on one of my records. Really? Uh, the first time
1: was on my punching
3: bag record. I had a song called Find Me a Baby. Oh, yeah. And there was this little section where you know we do all these non odd things, you know, and, and so Jennifer and and the boys and Marion was just a baby at the time. So if you listen to that song, there's like the ba- the little baby voice in there. That's Marion. Oh, that, oh, that cool, was his man. record debut. <laughs> that's
1: right, man. You made a debut really, yeah. really early. It took yeah. your dad, man, like you know, 25, 30 years, <laughs> and you you right there at, at, at immediately. It's I don't even impressive. think he
3: was two years old then because that was 2012.
1: So. Yeah. So he was
3: almost two? Maybe. Yeah,
1: that's really so. cool. Congratulations, man. That's, that's awesome. I'm glad mm-hmm. you're doing that stuff, man. I love the fact that you're that you're not shying away because you said plays and you said music and then you love baseball too. And it just shows that you're really well-rounded, and I think that'll be uh, it's gonna be greatly beneficial in your life, buddy, I promise you. You're doing the first-ever Christmas tour, uh, and you're hosting uh, the Christmas at Belmont. It's a PBS special taping for a national broadcast on the 20th, and then they're going to re-air it on uh, Christmas 9, 930. There's about 650 Belmont University student musicians are going to be joining you for a show. My wife, Laura, she's a Christmas fanatic. Like, yeah. Yeah. She loves all the decorations. <laughs> She'll start listening to Christmas music the, probably the day before Thanksgiving. So, yeah. you know, she, that's how much she loves it. So this is the kind of stuff that she can't wait to watch. Yeah. So doing that had to be incredible.
3: This will be the second time that I've done Christmas at Belmont. But Belmont's changed and grown so much since the first time I've done it. Um, I don't even think it was on TV back then. If it was, it was just locally in Nashville. But But this time it's going to be nationwide. And, yeah, you know, I'm a graduate of Belmont. So was Jennifer. That's where we met. Um, so we have a lot of history there with that school. And so I'm honored that they asked me to do this again. And so
1: it uh, <clears throat> should be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's one of the uh, the schools that's on my son's college list. Like he, wa- he would like to go play baseball at Belmont and yeah. – and, you know, and he much like Mary and me wants to be a broadcaster, right? So at the end, they you know the Mike Kerb School of uh, mm-hmm. was it Music and Entertainment? I yeah. uh, may not have the the yeah. exact title right, but uh, Mike Kerb's, you know been bestowed with that that school there at mm-hmm. uh, Belmont. It's just really cool to uh, to have a resource like that in country music and in Nashville because so many I mean, there's so many country artists that go to Belmont, right?
3: Yeah, there's been quite a few. Um, but like I say, you know, when when Doctor Fisher was there, he he just expanded that school. You know, just facility parking garages, you know, the, the big, you know, curb event center and all that. And uh, they even have like a brand new like film and TV department. Right. You know, it's crazy. So, yeah, it's blown up. Yeah.
4: Josh, does it feel sort of full circle to you to come back to your uh, to Belmont and perform for a national TV audience?
3: Yeah, makes me feel old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it, it's fun. Um, like I say, going back there now, it's it the, the way it looks you know, it's just so different from when I was there. Um, I, I like to joke that I paid for a lot of that. You know? <laughs> That's um, right. But uh, forty
2: thousand dollars a year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly, exactly right. You probably
3: did. So, uh, so yeah, it, it's it's a little. Weird going back there because it, like I say, it looks different, but uh, but yeah, it's always fun to be asked to come back. Yeah. We were
4: talking about Johnny Cash earlier, and I heard that when you were a student at Belmont University, that uh, you just waltzed up to Johnny Cash's door and knocked on it like you, uh, like you knew him. Tell us how that went, man. Is yeah. that true?
3: Um, yeah, I, I was reading his autobiography and had read about his Drager syndrome that he had been diagnosed with at the time, which we found out later he was misdiagnosed. He did have a neurological disorder. And, um, and so I'm just sitting there thinking like, golly, you know, I don't know how many, how many more years Johnny Cash is going to have on this earth. And if he dies and I don't get to meet him, I'm going to be extremely disappointed because, uh, I had learned so much from him. He was such a huge influence on me. And so, I somehow or another found his address and, uh, being the fanboy that i was at the time i loaded up my guitar and all of his records and all of this stuff you know just in case he you know just felt like signing me. a bunch of stuff yeah, right. <laughs> you know and uh so i drive all the way up to hendersonville tennessee and this was before gps and all that so i'm following these directions i'm trying to find the place and i get lost a couple of times well by the time i found the house it was dark and i'm like oh man this is not the way i wanted this to go and but when i get there uh there's a Fence around the property. There's a gate, gates open. I was like, well, you know, I'll just drive on in. Uh, (laughs) And uh, so I drove on (laughs) in. There's a couple of SUVs, you know, in the driveway. And I pull up and park in my old 89 Toyota four wheel drive pickup truck. There you go. With a four cylinder, um, you know, and, and I get out and I go to the first door I see. And there's this stained glass window to the side of the door. And I could vaguely see a painting of June on the wall. And I was like, okay, this is the place. And so I knocked. No answer. Knock again. No answer. I'm like, man, what in the world? So I go around the corner of the house, and it's like I couldn't even see my hand in front of my face. It was so dark. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to go around there. Yeah. And so I went back to the door, and I just I banged on the door. And I hear this voice coming from the depths of the house saying, coming, coming. And my heart just started fluttering. I oh, was like, sure. I was like, that can't be who I think it is. And so I see the door swing open wide, and there stands Johnny Cash. Wow. He's got reading glasses on a denim shirt a gold uh necklace with a cross on the end of it he's wearing bedroom shoes uh-huh. all a mess and and when he sees me he kind of flinched and i didn't realize it at the time but looking back on it i realized that he was expecting somebody but he Aww. wasn't expecting not, me not you <laughs> and i sure as heck wasn't expecting johnny cash to answer the door um i thought you know somebody else wouldn't kind of run interference but uh i just i stood there and i, I shook his hand and Introduced myself. I told him I was a student at Belmont. I told him I was from South Carolina, and I was looking to get a record deal one day. And I was telling him all about, you know, how he had influenced me, and and uh, you know, I commended him on all of his work that he had done with Billy Graham and sure. you know, all this stuff, and and just was just blah 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 blah. blah. And then finally, I had to stop and just kind of catch my breath. And I I told him, I said. I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I was like, my, my heart's about to beat out of my chest. I'm, I'm so nervous. And he kind of laughed at me, and he said, oh, you know, we're all human. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, and so I told him that I knew about his Dragger syndrome, and I had been praying for him and all this stuff. And, and he he thanked me, and he shook my hand again. He said, I'm going to go back inside and rest. And I said, okay. And so we shook hands. He shut the door. I go to walk back to my truck, and I just broke down and just started wow. bawling. Like, wow, wow. just crying my eyes out because I could not believe that that had just happened. Yeah. Right. And all the way back to my apartment there on campus, I'm just like, did that really happen? Like it was so (laughs) surreal. It's like, I just met Johnny cash and, um, like I say, I was respectful. I didn't ask for a picture or autograph no, sure, or anything. Sure. But, um, but <laughs> ever yeah. ever since the first time I told that story, you know, it's just like word of mouth. It's yeah. like here I am, twenty yeah. something yeah. Dude, years right. later, and I'm
1: still talking about it. It's, it's so part amazing. of the
4: legends of. It's a, it's like a
1: new country music legend. No now. doubt about it. As we wrap up, uh, we always ask folks about uh, the food they eat on the road because ain't nothing better than good barbecue and some mom and pop <laughs> joints. What's your favorite? What's your favorite thing to eat in favorite restaurants? When you're traveling through the South, mm, actually, uh,
3: I love the little the Rudy's chain out in Texas. This mm-hmm. little barbecue, it's kind of like a gas station slash barbecue yeah. joint. Uh, I love that. Um, there's there's a there's a restaurant in right outside of Las Cruces, New Mexico, called uh, La Posta, and Man, they got some of the most incredible, like New Mexican food, you know, the green, the hatched green chilies and all that, posole, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Um, I also love Meteoras in uh, San Antonio. You know, it's just been around forever. It's open 24 7. You know, we always love going there. And um, so, yeah, it's just like there's there's a lot of good eating places across the country. It's, it's good. What yeah. about
4: Christmas time food? Marion, you got any, uh, you excited about anything that's going to be at the house for Christmas time? <laughs> Uh, what do you have for, what do you eat around Christmas time?
1: A little bit of everything. <laughs> whatever, like. you, whatever we feed you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite food? We'll make it more simple. Pizza.
2: Hot dogs or burgers.
1: And okay. Okay. Boy. He's a ball player. And two and two. That's yeah. Exactly right. You
4: know, I got a feeling one day we're all gonna be working for Marion Turner. <laughs> That's exactly
1: right. Man, we want to tell you thanks so much for, for joining us here on Braves Country. You and Marion both. Welcome back anytime uh here at the you know, the Braves Radio Network and here at the ballpark. Just uh appreciate your time and wish you nothing but the best and God bless you both. So I got Thank one you. more funny story oh, for yeah. you before we leave. Yeah.
3: Uh, you were talking about the Garrett Whitlock thing and the walk up music and all that. So I'm friends with Charlie Culberson. Yeah. And, he was just here and, yeah, and he's uh, doing the broadcast. With the Rangers now. Yeah. And so I guess it's been about a week ago or so now, but I jokingly texted him and said, Hey, man, I said, uh, have you ever considered using a Christmas song as your walk up music? Because <laughs> uh, I was like, you know, my record comes out tomorrow or whatever. <laughs> and uh, he was like, He's like, dude. And I, and I was like, I don't know if anybody in MLB history has ever. Hey, known it was that. a Christmas yeah. song. I said, but that would be kind of cool. And I was totally joking. Like, I was not serious. And so he texted me back. He said, which song would you want me to use? Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so I'm like, he's, I was like, dude, I was like, I was totally That's joking. So. I'm not serious. And he was like, but I am serious. He's like, which one would you want me
4: to use? Amazing. And, uh, but
3: unfortunately, there was only like two games left in the season. Right. And I don't think he ended up in the lineup on those two games. So right. he, but he was like dead serious. He was, was going to change it. his walk-up music to one of my Christmas songs. <laughs> and I was like, that would have been hilarious. That would have been the greatest. <laughs> King
4: Size Manger by Josh Turner. Uh, <laughs> first Christmas music ever used for Walk Up. And
3: they know the history <laughs> so funny.
1: Man, and Charlie's such a great guy. He's the nicest guy. And, and uh, we've become acquainted with him a little bit over the years. Uh, certainly not to that level. But... Um, but we were pulling in, and he was going to do the Braves pre- and post-broadcast. Mm-hmm. And my son jumps. He was like, I'm parking in the deck. And he was like, there's Charlie. We're going to go say hi. Yeah. I was like, all right. And I, like, literally had to stop. And I was – I didn't even get the car stopped good. And he was out of the, out the door and <laughs> ran up and shook his hand and, you know, just said hi. And it was just – but he has that – he's just a great no, man. He Gosh, great, he's great the greatest. Yeah. And, um, man, there's a lot of Braves over the years that have been. But um, – I know you guys got to get up because you got uh, a big old show tonight, Marion. Thanks so much. You're we okay. appreciate you being yeah. here, man, and best of luck. I think you got some big things ahead. I, I feel certain about it. Thank you. You yeah. betcha, man, Josh. Yeah, Marion, thanks
4: for bringing jo- your uh, thanks for yeah. bringing your dad on the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, that's exactly right. We hope you guys have a merry Christmas too. That's yeah, right, y'all too. Absolutely, God bless y'all. The
4: Braze Country Podcast supports the Warrior Alliance and the Shepherds Men. Check out the and shepherdsmen.com for more info, resources, and how to get involved. That's thewarrioralliance.com, and theshepherdsmen.com. The Braves Country Podcast would like to thank all of our veterans.
1: This episode of Braves Country is sponsored by our Braves fan friends down at Century 21, Solomon Properties in Savannah, Georgia, servicing the historic downtown Savannah area, the island area, and Atlanta's beach, beautiful Tybee Island, Georgia. Call Joel Solomon today, 912-604-0896. That's 912-604-0896 for all your real estate needs on the Georgia coast.
0: minimum balance required. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. So, Robert, I want to thank you for your time. I just don't think you're the right person for this position. I don't understand.